episode of Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and this episode marks the beginning of Season 3 of the Toxicology Series that Suzanne Mazur and I put together. Suzanne is a toxicologist from Seattle Children's, and if you've listened in the past, you know that she delivers great, concise education on the various things that kids and teenagers can get into. Episode one of this third season will focus on bupropion, otherwise known as Wellbutrin. It's a commonly prescribed drug, and it's definitely one of the most dangerous ingestions that we encounter. Dr. Mazur, the floor is yours. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about a drug that really gets my heart right up when I hear a patient has ingested it in overdose, and that drug is bupropion, which also goes under the trade names Wellbutrin or Zyban. Bupropion is increasingly prescribed for several different uses, including depression, tobacco cessation, and ADHD. So we see lots of patients who have access to bupropion these days. Unfortunately, it's also an increasingly common cause of overdose. And with that, we see we often see intoxication-induced seizures and sometimes cardiac toxicity as well. The extended release formulation of bupropion is really important to know about because that's the one that can cause delayed emergence of symptoms, especially seizures, which can occur up to 24 hours post-ingestion. Bupropion works by inhibiting the dopamine and the norepinephrine reuptake systems. This is actually similar to the mechanism of action of amphetamines. And the structure of bupropion is also similar enough to the structure of amphetamines that it may cause your urine drug screen to be positive for amphetamines. This is a false positive because the structures are similar. The two most concerning clinical effects of bupropion overdose are seizures and cardiac toxicity. So let's talk about the neurological toxicity or the seizures first. Bupropion is metabolized into several metabolites and 6-hydroxybupropion is the metabolite that is commonly thought to cause seizures. Seizures can occur even in people who are taking therapeutic dosing of bupropion, so it's no surprise that in overdose, seizures is a relatively common event. Seizures can be single, multiple, or can evolve into status epilepticus. Patients can develop seizures as the only sign of toxicity. Most patients, however, will develop some kind of altered mental status and tachycardia as kind of warning signs before they seize. While the majority of seizures do occur within six hours of ingestion, especially with the sustained and extended release preparations, we see delayed onset of seizures up to 24 hours post-ingestion. And this is why in overdose of sustained release bupropion, poison center and toxicologist will recommend that the patient be watched for 24 hours post-ingestion, even if they start out their ER stay asymptomatic. Besides the neurological toxicity, bupropion overdose can also cause cardiotoxicity. 
Like other antidepressants, bupropion can widen the QRS and prolong the QTC. It can cause hypotension and arrhythmia shock and death. The effect on the QRS, the QRS widening, was thought to be secondary to its effects at blocking sodium channels in cardiac cells. However, unlike things like tricyclic antidepressants, the QRS widening effects of bupropion may not be responsive to boluses of sodium bicarbonate. And this is because of inhibition at the cardiac gap junctions. It's reasonable to try a dose of sodium bicarbonate, but just keep in mind that this may not work to narrow out the QRS complex. In addition, bupropion can block potassium channels, which may cause an increase in the QTC interval. However, bupropion overdose is not commonly thought to cause torsades. Let's talk about the clinical evolution of bupropion toxicity. First phase is usually pretty benign, latent phase. Right after ingestions, patients may have minimal symptoms initially, and there's a risk that they could be inappropriately discharged home instead of the recommended 24 hours of observation post-ingestion. After the latent phase, usually we see the neurotoxic phase, and depending on the amount ingested, the patient may have delirium, they may have some sympathomimetic or anticholinergic features like tachycardia, hypertension, dilated pupils, and tremor. And then the first dramatic symptom to emerge is often seizures. Um, seizures can happen without any preceding symptoms, as I mentioned before, and they can happen anytime between 30 minutes post-ingestion all the way to 24 hours after ingestion of an extended-release bupropion product. It's not uncommon to see multiple seizures. Patients often need benzodiazepines in several doses, and some patients may need to be intubated to control their airway and to give them enough medication to control their seizures. Our drug of choice for seizures in toxicology is benzodiazepines, and those are often needed more than once. Besides the neurotoxic phase, we also worry about the cardiotoxic phase, which usually happens after the drug levels rise past the seizure threshold level. We see prolongation of the QRS and QTC intervals. We may see hypotension requiring vasopressors, cardiogenic shock, and ventricular arrhythmias. Fortunately, the cardiotoxic phase is relatively rare compared to the risk of seizures in these patients who ingest bupropion. So what do you do when you see this patient in the emergency department and it's relatively recent after ingestion? First, you'll realize that this patient is going to need to be observed for 24 hours and make plans accordingly. Consider activated charcoal, which binds well to bupropion. If the patient presents very early, generally we say within about an hour of ingestion, if they are awake and protecting their airway, or if their airway is already protected, meaning they are intubated for another reason, and their airway is secured with an endotracheal tube, then it's safe to pass an NG or OG and give some activated charcoal at that point. What about whole bowel irrigation? Whole bowel irrigation is something that I would consider for a bupropion overdose in some situations because bupropion is an extended release product. It often will hang around long enough that whole bowel irrigation would be useful and smart to do. 
Don't forget to consult your poison center or your friendly local neighborhood toxicologist and make sure to discuss the pros and cons of whole bowel irrigation with them. Early discussion is always better. For seizure management, frontline therapy in almost all tox-induced seizures is a benzodiazepine. Any of your favorite benzodiazepines will work and make sure to have extra doses on hand should seizures recur. For cardiotoxicity, often fluids and vasopressors are needed. Intralipids is something that we've talked about before in these toxicology episodes of the podcast. It's been used in bupropion overdose and supported by a handful of case reports. The mechanism of action is the lipid sink theory, meaning that more drug is um, absorbed into the lipid that you give and has less cardiotoxic and neurotoxic effects on the body when that happens. So intralipids is something else to consider if you have a patient who has severe bupropion toxicity and again, something to talk about with your local toxicology experts. And finally, some of these really sick bupropion overdose patients may need some cardiovascular support like ECMO. We know that this is not universally available, but it's something to think about early if you have a patient with cardiotoxicity who has ingested bupropion. Again, using ECMO for bupropion toxicity is supported by several case reports and is very institution-specific. The goal of ECMO is to support the heart and lungs while the body metabolizes bupropion until the drug can be cleared. So in summary, bupropion overdose can be bad news. Expect delayed neurotoxicity, delayed seizures, and be ready for cardiotoxic effects. Remember to use aggressive supportive care, be ready to treat seizures and cardiac toxicity if it occurs. Think about early decontamination with activated charcoal and possibly whole bowel irrigation, especially if the airway is protected, and be ready for more heroic interventions like intralipids and ECMO should they be needed. Make sure to talk to your poison center and your local toxicologist early in the process and beware of bupropion. Thanks so much, everybody, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you very much, Suzanne. Bupropion is definitely a scary drug, and I hope you're now better prepared to manage its complications. At the conclusion of this season, we are going to be offering some CME and MOC Part 2. Stay tuned for the details, and we'll keep it updated on the blog. If you want to provide feedback on this episode or any of the episodes I've released over the years, go ahead and do so. You can shoot me an email, a DM on Twitter, Facebook comment, leave a review on your favorite podcast site. Any and all feedback is welcome. The second episode of this third season of Toxicology Content is going to focus on the drug that scares me the most, calcium channel blockers. Until next time, for Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. Take care.